Good evening and welcome back to the 10th edition of the It's Not Orange podcast and tonight we'll be looking back at another nil-nil draw with Leighton Orient and looking ahead to the weekend's clash with Lincoln City and for the game against Lincoln City we have Charlie from the Stacey Wedd pod- podcast. Uh, good evening Charlie, how are you doing mate? Evening, yeah, really good, thanks yourself. Yeah, not too bad. I'm, I'm praying to see a goal this weekend one way or the other. But, um, you feeling good after your 1-0 on the weekend? Yeah, it was, a, it was a tough game, scrappy game. Conditions weren't favourable for either sides, but we got the win, so really impressed with it. Absolutely, and we'll come on to you, your game and our, our game a bit later on, but welcome to the podcast. Um, and welcome back, Jace. How you doing, buddy? Yeah, not too bad, mate. All good, thank you. Good. And Martin, mate, how you doing? I'm great. Great evening, guys. Absolutely. Let's get straight into it. Um, weirdly, a lot a lot of talk about um, despite the nil-nil this weekend, but we'll start with you, Charlie. Just let us know a little bit about yourself. Uh, why do you support Lincoln and tell us a bit about your podcast? Yeah, so I myself have been supporting Lincoln for, well, as long as I can remember. Uh, first game back in 2011. Um, the podcast, the Stacey West podcast, it's been running now for probably about five, six years. Uh, Gary, who's sort of the, the main presenter, he He's, uh, he's been running it because he also does an online blog called the Stacey West Blog. Uh, so that's been going for years. This year, we're really up in our content, doing two podcasts a week. We're pushing a lot of YouTube content out, doing previews like you do yourself, having me on. So, uh, yeah, it's we're, ju- we're just trying to do so much in and around the football club at the minute. Any fond memories supporting Lincoln? Obviously, you've had a few playoff finals recently, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. There's been some fond memories, and then we won't mention the other player final that's not exactly been the most enjoyable. Um, but no, there's there's been some incredible memories. Look, we've had we had two promotions and a win in the Papa John's Trophy, at, well, the Checker Trade Trophy, it was all called then at Wembley in the space of three seasons. So, just those three years alone were absolutely incredible. Adding to that, the quarter final of the FA Cup whilst we were still in non-league, and even now when we've kind of hit a bit of a sort of stagnate a little bit in League One. It's just been really positive. It's going from strength to strength. So I'm just really pleased with how the club is both on and off the pitch at the minute. Yeah, and a lot of positive signings this summer as well. So, I mean, I think the times are looking good for, for Lincoln and we'll get on to that a bit later. But we're going to focus now quickly on the Leighton Orient game. Um, Jason, uh, another nil-nil um, draw, no goals, obviously, but obviously yet to concede a goal and obviously that was one of the positives that come out of the game but we'll start off with the lineup obviously there's a couple of changes that were made and Jensen Weir coming into the lineup and Beasley back in for Carey what was your initial thoughts when you saw the lineup surprised there wasn't more changes um still over the four back situation it is a baffling one uh I'm glad uh Jensen Weir did start over Dougal from the previous week, uh, he does look like he's going to have something about him, but it might take a little bit of time. But I still think the full-backs with CJ right uh, and Lyons left just wasn't wasn't going to work. Um, so, yeah, hopefully this weekend we'll see some more changes. I think it's needed. Yeah, absolutely. Your initial thoughts on the lineup as well, Martin? Um, yeah, like Jason, I, I expect to see a few more a few more changes. Um <sighs> You know, one one of one of the, the people that we stuck with was a bit of a disappointing option. Um, but I was pleased to see Jensen Weir, uh, you know, have a get uh, get a game, and I expected I expected better. 
as we'll allude to, I expected better from that formation, but I, you know, I, I was quite happy to go with it, really. Um, no choice, not our choice, is it? Uh, but yeah, um, a, a few more would have been would have been needed, I think, as it as it proved. Yeah, Jace, just just come on to Jensen's weird sort of start because you know I I think he started really well as did Blackpool in the first sort of ten fifteen minutes. Um, he I thought he presented himself quite well in the midfield, making himself available. 60% ground jewels, um, one, recovered the ball three or four times in the middle of the midfield. I think he made himself quite well known in the middle, but then faded as the game went on and, and rightly substituted, in my opinion. But he he was a part of that press initial 10 minutes, which which made us quite, well, made the first 10 minutes look quite promising. Yeah, well, we seem to have done this for a couple of games now. The, the press starts for the first 15, 20. We look good. We look like we're going to cause problems, issues, and then it just seems to, to die off to early doors. Uh, it was the same with with the Burton game when we did win. The, the goals came from us pressing early uh, and then it, it kind of stopped and that was the same again on Saturday. Almost like uh, we haven't got the legs to be doing it for, for 70, 80, 90 minutes. They don't seem to be able to do it. Yeah, and Jason's really alluded to Martin. That fast press really paid off in the fourth minute, I think. From a from a throw, wasn't it? We we pressed the ball down and got the ball into Lavery, created a bit of space for himself. Um, unbelievable strike, to be fair to him. Maybe could have gone to the keepers or sorry, his left keepers right, but lo and behold, it went towards the top left hand corner. And to be fair, I was sat right but beside it. And initially, I just said, "What an incredible save!" More more so than missed opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, I'm 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 down at the south end, as you know, and it was difficult to see just how good a save it was or how good a chance it was. But having looked back on it, it, it was it was a decent hit and a decent save all round. And you just expected Blackpool to kick on from that. Really, I, I thought that might be the first of, of of a few chances, but as it proved, they were they were few and far between. But it but it would have been a great great. It would have been a totally different game if that had gone in for sure. Yeah, Jason, we we we. we created another chance a few minutes later obviously when the ball came across the box couldn't really pick out a man keeper sort of scrambled and then collected the ball just before Beasley could tap it in and you just had that inkling the more the game and that first sort of 10-15 minutes went on the more the keeper made a save or the ball didn't drop to us in the box that it could have been one of those games where we were frustrated towards towards sort of the, the end of the first half yeah, I mean, I thought their keeper started really poorly. He looked, he looked shaky. He didn't look comfortable. They they were trying to play out of the back, and it just wasn't working because of the press. And it was disappointing that that we didn't capitalise on it, um, and we didn't put the keeper under more pressure. Um, he, he didn't look comfortable at all, and then we kind of let him get away with it a little bit. I, I feel. Yeah, that lack of sort of press as, as later grew into the game, later Lawrence, sorry, grew into the game, enabled them to start to feel a bit more comfortable and, and fair play to them, Jace, as well, because they continued to play out from the back, um, the left centre-back, um, Ed Turns. He had a bit of a dodgy start, but he grew into the game and started feeding the ball to Archibald a little bit more. And the more we backed off and the more they became more comfortable, it was actually more like they were the home side. Yeah, they did. they did grow into the game, whether that's from them, from themselves or, or, or us backing off, uh, who knows? But yeah, they did grow into the game. They, they looked an all right team, but they're teams that we should be putting away comfortably, uh, in my eyes. Yeah, Martin, we'll go through a bit of the first half because, as I alluded to, they they grew into the game a little bit. They expected goals for Leighton Orient in the first half. 
um, was just over one. They had a total of eight shots. Um, what they class as big chances, so clear-cut chances, i.e. Joe Piggott's header, they had two. Um, and they sprayed the ball out quite a lot, a few more passes than us as well. And something about this system doesn't seem to be working um, when we're not sort of on top of the press and, and, and we're kind of sitting back trying to find our feet in the game. I think that's it. I think we, you know, it, we started with high energy and then it drops off really quickly and we seem to... I don't know. I think I think we seem to lack belief that we're going to carry on with that, and then they they quickly sussed us out. They quickly sussed us out that we weren't going to be able to carry that on for very long, and they got on top. and And, and the first chance that they created um, was a uh, was was it was out of nothing really. It was it was I didn't see it coming, and then and obviously a great save by by Grimmy. But um, we we just. Yeah, you have to score when you're on top, but but it's a lot of pressure on the team. If you don't score in the first ten minutes, it's going to be a bit blunt for the rest of the half. It's it's a lot of pressure, isn't it? You know, to to kind of score in that very small amount of pressure that we have in a short space of time. Yeah, Jace, it shouldn't be that way, though, should it? We're the, we're the home side, and we're setting up with again three centre backs. Whether people agree on that system, whether it works or not, you can say zero goals conceded, but you can also say obviously we're not scoring many goals or you know since the first two games none at all. And just touching upon um, Grimshaw, because I thought he was I thought he was absolutely fantastic throughout the game. Obviously, they had the ball on from a counter attack uh, from us attacking, and Archibald cuts in a little bit on the right, crosses it in, and Piggott, in my opinion, initially should have scored, but actually it's one hell of a save by Grimshaw. Yeah, it's a really good save um, at the time. It didn't look as good on the telly, I, I didn't think. He gets down so quickly. Uh, it's a really good save. I, I think when we talk about the system, uh, I think the problem that we're having is we have the three at the back and then Norbert is dropping almost as another centre-half to pick the ball up because Marvin's passing has been so poor. And then the other two centre-midfielders are going so wide, almost within touching distance of the two full-backs. There's then actually no one in the centre of the park. There's so much space in there. And that's where the passes are becoming difficult for Norburn on the ball because they're so wide and, and there's no options for him to play with. And I think that's what's really killing us at the moment, is that shape of when we're on the ball. Yeah, Martin, I think Jason raises a really good point there. And if you think of Jensen Weir, I'm not to say not criticising Jensen Weir, but he played in the Morecambe side, which was actually really well structured. And he was a pivotal point in, in that midfield. And he was kind of lost in this system after the first 10 minutes. When we're on top, we had our shape quite well. We actually played quite central as a unit. We attacked. Um, we pressed as a free, but the moment I say we, as we've alluded to, we've drifted into that first half. He got lost in the game a little bit, and he wasn't used to potentially the way we play. But there's something about this system which, like Jason said, this is the third game in a row, so it can't be coincidence that the centre midfielders and um, Morgan, where um, and when, when Norburn's sitting centrally, they've gone wide and. Like like Jason said, there's no option for him. We 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 just leave the middle completely open. And I'll be honest, when we play Lincoln this weekend, if we do that again, they're going to score two or three goals. And I'll come on to why I think that later on. But the quality that we've faced in the last two games at home has enabled us to get away with a nil-nil. If I'm honest, I think Lake Orange should have won the game. Um, and we we can't continue to do that. So I don't know what Critchley is persisting with this formation, or I don't know if his players are not taking on instruction. But either way. Um, we've done it twice, two or three times in the first half, and we've done it twice um, in the second half, where that they they ultimately should have scored. Yeah, um, 
it, this keeping clean sheets is is all is great and it looks great stats wise. But the, if you're at the games, as as and we've all seen the games, um, the reality of it is that I think we did get away with it, especially on Saturday. Um, I remember a few. Do you remember a few years ago when Paul Lynch was in charge? We had a really good start. We kept a load of clean sheets, but we were getting well. This is different, but we were getting battered in those games. But what the stats were, we were keeping clean sheets, and it all looks great. But we we were a bit lucky not to not to concede. You're absolutely right, and the formation is annoying me as well now. Um, and as you know, as everyone knows on the, on the pod, we, we, we are big fans of Critch, and we're great. To, it's great to see him back. But he's stumbled upon a formation that I would have thought by now he would have changed. Even during the game, he might have changed it a bit more. We we, we seem to be getting in each other's way a little bit. And, and at times when we're messing about with it at the back, it's like we have a spare man that we don't need. And then Norburn, as you say, Jason, he comes to get the ball off Marvin or whatever. And then he can't do his best stuff from 10, 15 yards outside our own penalty area. He needs to be further forward to, to thread those passes through. And it, it just it, it isn't working. And I hope he's not too stubborn to to get it. But reading his comments, it suggests that maybe he's going to persevere with it because it's a learning curve and we've got to carry on on this journey. But as you say, um, we might concede on Saturday through 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 this formation simply not working for the personnel we've got. I think we will concede, if I'm honest. I think it needs to be a wake-up call. Wouldn't it be interesting to see exactly how we react to potentially going 1-0 down or, or, or just to generally concede in a goal. But if you look at Norburn's numbers, they he won two out of three of his tackles attempted. Um, but during his ground duels, um, in terms of where the ball was free, he only won three out of seven. He did win two, 100% of his headers as well, but he was decent in the middle. Although people say that, that Norburn's lost on them, you got to think he recovered the ball seven times in the middle. Um, but he was overran a couple of times as well. But recovering the ball seven times in the middle of the park when his kind of plan as a central midfielder emphasises the fact that he, he there is no Jensen Weir and there's no Albie Morgan to protect him either. And he's dropping so far deep that he's been overrun when they are intercepting the ball because one man versus three in the middle is leaving us deeply exposed. And that came to fruition a little bit, Jason, and or, or should I say should have come to fruition in terms of a goal when... The ball was played out to the right. Should have been a ball probably Marvs deals with. He gets overpowered or he slips or whatever. He falls over, of course. Um, they're in on the on the right-hand side. The player ball across goal, which Grimmy punches out. But then it falls to them in the middle of the box. And it looks like a clear push to me and a penalty. But we got away with one, didn't we? It looks that way, definitely. Um, it was difficult for me to see it in the ground. I've, I've watched it back. And if it was at the other end, We'd be screaming our heads off for it. It, it. If it was given as a pen, we would have no complaints. So yeah, in that sense, we we did get away with one there. I think I think he literally has. Um, I'm trying to think, it was maybe it was Weir actually. I think it was. I think he literally has two two hands on the player. Yeah, he's he kind hands. of just nudges him, doesn't he? And it's a penalty all day. And actually, at the time, I was like, the ref. If I'm honest, I'm, I don't want to sit here and slate refs because we weren't good enough. But we had so many times in the middle of the park where players were being pulled back or nipped at the ankles and the, the ref just blatantly carried on and it, it was bizarre and I actually think that accumulated into him not giving that as a penalty because I think he was fully aware of there was a few times where he should have given a foul and he didn't and maybe it was one of those ones where I've not given a few so therefore it's easier not to give the penalty but in my opinion it's a clear penalty people might disagree Martin I don't know if you do but two hands on him is about to knock it into the goal for, for me it, it, you know it, it should have been given 
being at the top of the south stand, uh, great view of it. I can tell you now, it was a definite penalty, and you'd be right. You're right, Jason. If if that was uh, if that was somebody with two hands on on Lavery or somebody like that or Beasley, would have been screaming for a penalty. We'd be disappointed if we didn't get it. It was a penalty, and and that their fans saw it too because they were in line with it. A lot of them, and it was a definite penalty. And we definitely a hundred percent got away with it because as the game went on, Marvin just looked more and more shaky to me, which I'm sure we'll come on to. But um, that was a definite penalty. 100% penalty. Yeah, again, lucky to get away with it. And uh, just summarise the first half, really. Started really well, but as I've already alluded to, Leighton really grew into the game and probably had two or three clear-cut opportunities, as well as having the penalty that, that wasn't given. But, Jase, we move on to the second half and we started again really, really well. Um, I thought, again, the press was excellent. I thought, again, the shape started to, to, to build in terms of our players playing actually central. Um, and you kind of got the inkling that we were potentially going to sort of get that goal finally because there was a nice pass interchange into Morgan. In my opinion, the shot's poor. It's quite level with the keeper's middle. He palms it out to Lavery. Should he score? Who knows? It's it's a quick reaction, isn't it? And he's actually done well to to sort of get his body over the ball and, and slide it into the bottom corner. And it's obviously very unlucky to come off the post. Yeah, I know a previous strike that we sold that wouldn't have missed it. But that's where we are, isn't it? Like, he, he should score. He should score. I know it's instinct. That's what a striker's there for. They act on instinct. They should know where the goal is when they're in in and around it. I think he should score, and I think um, that was the chance. And I think that would have set us set us off for the second half, and from there we'd have controlled it. Um, but yeah, again, second half similar to the first. Started with the press, looked okay, and then it it just drops off. Martin, do you think he should score? I think Jace is being really harsh. <laughs> um, Jesse Yates might have scored that goal there again. He might, he might not have done. He's missed a few in his time. Um, I think it was a hard chance. I think it was instinct. I think, I think there was probably a bit of you know a, a difficult one to. Con- you didn't have time to think about it, and it was just like a snapshot really. And I, th- I think he was a tad unlucky. But the, but this is the thing, isn't it? If we're not creating very many chances, these stand out a mile. If we'd have created four or five chances, he might not have needed that. That one might not be talked about. But as it was, after that, it kind of all went a bit flat, didn't it? So it's, it stands out more. Yeah, I think I, I love really like Lavery. As you know, I don't think he sh- definitely should score. It's it's one you'd like to see a striker finish, of course, but it, Martin's kind of summed it up as one of them ones where we're, we're not getting much luck. Obviously, it's a mirror copy of the first half in a sense of, in my opinion, it's, it's a weird one. Obviously, I don't think he should score the first one more than the second, but the first one, I think... I want to see him drill it to, to the opposite side and actually fly in the other corner. And I mean, he creates the space really well for himself. And the second one, I think, is so is so quick. You watch it at full speed back on the highlights, and I've watched the game back as well. And I think it literally just pings out to him, and he gets his like foot slightly risen to try and get some power on it again. And yeah, one of those ones. I think it's not a really bad miss. It's just fairly unlucky. But I thought he was he wasn't poor in the game. His his passing was decent, um, but. He's feeding off scraps once again, and we've already alluded to the fact that he's running himself into the ground a little bit. But just to put a bit of context behind his performance, Beasley had 45 touches. Um, Lavery had 20, 22, 23 touches, I think it was. So he's literally, and I think three or four of them, bear in mind, and then the second half um, towards the end was obviously a running on goal and a shot as well. And he's he's not involved anywhere near as much. And I think it's really emphasising the fact that we... Although Beasley, in my opinion, if you look behind the stats and what he did in the game, he, he wasn't 
exceptionally poor, but I really don't think he's the striker that we need. Or maybe he is the striker that we need, but we need that additional midfielder from, from the three at the back to, to sort of back those two up. I don't know. I think if we had better service and we played the ball along the floor a little bit more, I think he would would, would work well with Lavery. But lo and behold, he got pumped balls all day and he tried to win a header, but unfortunately his his instinct as a big striker, Beasley, was to just to get something on it and it wasn't to think about where that header's going to go potentially and he's not very good at hold-up play as well, Jase. Yeah, my thing with Beasley, and I don't want to just sit here and, and slate the bloke because his effort is there and his commitment is there. He just makes everything look difficult. Like It's like when he's trying to bring the ball down and lay off a pass. He looks like he really has to concentrate. It doesn't look natural. It doesn't look comfortable. He looks like he really has to think about it and try. But, uh, yeah, I just don't think th- this is going to work out at this level. I think he, he obviously he was injured the majority of last season. He needs to go somewhere where he's going to start banging in goals and, and get his confidence up. And I don't think it's going to be with us this season. Yeah, I think ultimately, I think you're spot on. I don't, I'm not slagging off Beasley anyway, shape or form. I think he he ran well, but like you say, he's not naturally. If I, I'm going to say it, you know, Gary Medine, when he touches the ball down, it sticks to his foot. And he turns, he looks, he gives the ball, he's gone, and he tries to cut him behind, and he tries to get his head on, you know, across or so on and so forth. And there, there isn't that partnership. And actually, there were some points where they were playing almost next to each other on Saturday. It was was not a strike partnership at all, and they weren't left and right of each other, you know, the all-modern Murphy effect type thing. And although he won 12 out of 18 headers, his distribution and his thought process just isn't there. As you say, it's not natural and therefore it's not making us tick when we do get the ball up front. There was a couple of times he had his back to goal. Lavery was to his right and he kind of looked left, kind of looked right. And it, was, it just took too much time. And I've alluded to already our opposition that we're playing against, Port Vale, Leighton Orient. I'm not even going to allude to the fact that we should be beating teams like that the opposition, if they're, if they're well-structured and let's get it right, El Mazzuni, um, Moncur, Archibald, um, they all had really decent games. Ed Turns grew into the game for them at the back as well. They all had decent games and they knew how to play football. They counted us exceptionally well. They were in on the right-hand side in the second half a couple of times with, with Moncur's miss, which we'll come on to in a second. And the more we play teams like this and the more we're not punishing or taking our opportunities, should I say, not punishing teams, but taking our opportunities, the more we're going to the more we're going to get found out against teams like Lincoln when they've got that quality to hurt us. And I, and I think we, we might see that on Saturday if we continue the way we are. So it'll be interesting to see, but there's a few more points I want to go through um, before we before we move on to the Lincoln game. And my next point, um, and actually one of the social questions which I bring up now, Jace, is the fact that is Hamilton being used as a scapegoat? And I'm going to give my opinion on this Um I absolutely do not think has been used as a scapegoat. I actually think Critchley is killing CJ Hamilton. Not only is he not a wing back, he's lost all confidence. He's lost his ability to be him. He's lost his ability to even bother to attack a player. He squared up an opposition player on Saturday. He he, he squared him up. He dropped his shoulder and then he controlled the ball again. He didn't even bother to go around him or, or try and knock it past him. He then just shipped it off two yards to his right, which turned out to be quite a feeble pass anyway. So for me, CJ needs to be absolutely dropped from the team because he's not a wing back. And if you're going to play 5-3-2, 3-5-2, sorry, he, he's not the, that player, is he? He, he? he recovers the ball well because he's quick, but he's not defensively minded and he's not using any 
attacking instinct to make chances for us. This is another game where Hamilton has not beaten a single man in the minutes he's played. Not one single man has he beaten. So why is he there? Please enlighten me. <laughs> I, I can't give you an answer to that, Tom. I haven't got an answer for that. Uh, I think the thing with CJ, his ability is his pace. Teams will know that now. And I think the difference maybe this year is teams are dropping off that little bit more against us when they're defending. So CJ's receiving that ball to feet higher up and there's not that space in behind for him to tap and run. He's got to use his actual dribbling ability to beat a man, which is where he does lack. Um, and again, he, he's playing on the wrong side of the pitch for him. It, it just isn't working playing CJ Hamilton as a right wing back. It, it's that simple. It really is. Martin, I'll just not counter Jason's points, but maybe maybe just add something to it. I think there was many times in the first half where he had about 15 yards in front of him. He had the ball probably in between our box and the centre circle, received the ball, looked up the defender and either passed it again backwards. Um, I think Marv's nearly had 100 touches in the game, the most of anybody, because he just got himself being found to be passed to when we had the ball in positions where we could do a give and go. I think it's his unwillingness or his confidence to to run or at least attempt to beat a man, which is adding to the frustration of the system. If Critch... If Critch doesn't drop him, we're gonna be say we're gonna have this podcast every week. When it comes to DJ Hamilton, we'll say the same things about the poor lad. He, he isn't a scapegoat. You're absolutely right. He he is being hung out to dry, which is exactly the exact phrase I used last week. He's being hung out to dry by a manager who should know better, and it disappoints me. Um, and I just don't understand why. And I, again, I said this last week um, against Derby. He brought Dom Thompson in. He's had a great preseason, in my opinion, and had a really good game against Derby. Nowhere to be seen from the first team since. Nowhere to be seen. And he, and at least he understands that position. Because, as we said again uh, last week, if you're going to play wing-back, you have to understand the position because it's complicated. And and he doesn't understand it because it's not his position. Yeah. And it is unfair. It's desperately unfair to keep playing him. And I really hope that Critchley grasps this. I, I personally think this is the worst... Man, tactical decision that Critchley's made in the in this in the spell that he had with us and these few games, I've never seen him do anything quite as bad as playing CJ Hamilton at, 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 on, at, in that position constantly. And I say constantly because it's been what four games out of the five. So I'm, I'm, all I'm, league I'm games, yeah. yeah, yeah, all league games. I'm just really disappointed because I think you're, you're hanging a player who's got zero confidence out to dry, and he's got he's got minus confidence now. It's just. It's horrendous, to be honest with you. It's really, really poor from the manager, I think. Yeah, I completely agree, actually. And I think Hamilton does have a, a space in this team if we change system or if he sits on the bench because it's not a, it's not a case in point where he's the only option, as, as Mine's already alluded to, Jason. You've got Tom Thompson there. Lions can come back on the left and Apta can play right. Why on earth is not given Apta the opportunity to at least have 10, 15 minutes towards the end of the game? The kid's fearless. The kid's got the ability to beat a man. He can deliver the ball. He showed at his constant um, loan spells that he can do that. He showed constant at academy level. He's got that rawness about him and, and willingness to do that. And, you know, Scunthorpe, he scored, I think, four or five goals. Two were absolute worldies from, from outside the area. And ultimately, Scunthorpe probably never going to keep him, but they were desperately disappointed to see him go. And it's either Critch's stubbornness to, to keep a system and not concede, or 
well, I don't know. I don't know what the or is. Like, like I said, he's got options both sides. He's got options to change it. He's got options to change the system, but he's continuing to to to, to do what he's doing. Yeah, I, I think for for Dom Thompson to to not even be on the bench, there must be something in the background there that we we don't know. There's got to be something going on there for him not even to make the bench, whether there's a deal in place or something like that. Um, and then, and then with the why don't we give him a go? I, I can't answer that for you either. He, at the end of last season, obviously he come on away at Norwich, looked lively, caused them problems. Granted, it was the last game of the season. They had nothing to play for, but he looked lively and, and caused them issues. And that's something that we've struggled with so far this season, giving defence issues to deal with. And Apt is certainly a player that I personally, and I'm sure most will agree, will be able to cause problems for defences in this league. Yeah, absolutely. I've just got two more points before we move on to the Lincoln game. Um, and they're the fact that, um, Martin, I'll come to you. Marv's shaky as anything in terms of receiving the ball. We've already discussed the fact that he's not a centre-back that can that can play out from the back. He can't bring the ball forward and look for a pass. He stands still when he receives the ball, which means no one really moves because he's not drawing any movement from the opposition. And then he looks nervous to even bring the ball forward. He does that stupid step over where it hardly moves the ball forward. And then he's pumped the ball forward 23 or 24 times in the game, 12 being successful, found Beasley's head a few times, found Weir's head or Carey's head a few times. But although stats lie a little bit because, you know, 14 out of 23 successful, ultimately nothing comes from it because it's hit Beasley's head. It's got nowhere to go because Lavery has not received the ball because it's a poor header. And no one's chesting it down, bringing it down. And and my, my question is, I'll come on to it, is how can a manager sit and watch Marvs do that for the whole game and and not change his way of, of wanting to play the game? It, the stats that you're reading out are surprising considering that apparently Cripps is trying to get this team into being a more possession-based football team. Yep. The stats don't really back that up, do they? Um, no, I don't understand it either. I don't understand why you, why you, would, you wouldn't change it or have a word with him. Um, because if you're hitting constant long ball after long ball after long ball, that, that has to be... And, and even when you get to half-time, surely your manager grabs hold of you and says, look, it's not working. Stop doing it. So clearly it is an instruction. He just doesn't execute it very well. But again, and, and without being harsh, he looks like a player... Who, I mean, halfway through last season, he lost his confidence. I mean, you all remember the Wigan game when he got sent off and he, he's had his injury problems. But Matthew Pennington must be sat on the bench thinking, well, I, I, I'm going to be getting in this team very quickly. And rightly so, because he's a very good player. And um, it is time to drop Marvin as well. If you're going to play three at the back, you could just replace Marvin for Matthew Pennington. Simple as that. Um, yeah, it is, it is a player that's lost confidence, sorry. A player that's lost confidence. Yeah, we've already alluded to the fact that I think Jay said, actually, do you drop him? And I think Jay's answer was no, because it would ruin him. But I think playing him at the moment and maybe doing him as much to his confidence in, in a negative way than it is continuing to play him. So Bennington's a ball-playing defender who can hit a long pass. He's already assisted in pre-season. He looked really good against Burton. So hopefully he's back for the, for the weekend. But my last point before we come on to the Lincoln game, Jace, is... I've watched every game back some one or two times and don't call me crazy, but at the same time, like it's just nice to see how we work as a team. And at the moment, Port Vale and Leighton Orient, the George Moncur chance, the Pickett chance, them in behind the penalty. Um, 
El Mazzuni getting in behind a few more times. Stats are great, but we are we should have conceded four or five goals by now. And against Burton, when Marv loses the ball, we win two 0 But they're in on goal a couple of times as well. Yeah, uh, a stronger team, a stronger outfit will, will punish us in the long run with that. And it is one week it's going to catch us out, and we're going to concede two or three. And we can have no arguments if we continue doing it the way that we're doing. Um, it needs to stop. I think, you know, with, with the Marvin losing the ball, he takes so long with it and it comes all back to, to where we started, talking about the, the shape of the midfield. There's no options for him to play to. He then stands with the ball. It's too slow. He's then trying to be forced with an option that's not working. And it just all ties in that at the moment, this tactic it isn't working for us as a team and for the individuals that are on that pitch. And just, just to finalise that then, do you think the system's fine? We just need better personnel to execute it? No, I don't mind the, the system of the three-five-two. I think it needs tweaking with the way that we're... How, when we've got the ball, it just needs tweaking. It, it can work, but it needs those tweaks of the midfield coming in narrower, you know, right players in right positions as well. I don't have an issue with, with 3-5-2, 5-3-2, however we want to look at it. Um, but we just need to tweak the way that we, when we have the ball, how we are playing forward. Yeah, I think we'll see We'll see what he does against Lincoln and we'll come on to, to, to how Lincoln set up now. And I just think, like, like we already alluded to at the start of the pod, there needs to be some changes there, whether that's a change in system or, or, or you know, a curveball with Dom Thompson or someone coming back. But a busy week in the transfer market potentially or or, or not and you know we're going to see really a scathing review of of our business when we're being touted as a top six top eight transfer budget and you know almost bragging in a sense when Julian Winter said like we're a team that wants to get promotion and we need to help Gritch do that and at the moment I was happy with the business initially I didn't want to slate it but sorry I didn't want to slate the moves but I didn't want to slate the fact that we haven't done anything since and actually we've got a week to go and we need to move pretty fast now. And if we don't do that and we're left with this squad and maybe one additional striker with no wing backs and no wingers, I'm not saying things are going on in the background, but if in a week's time we're talking about making no transfers or one or two, in my opinion, we haven't got the strength and depth to, to do a lot of damage in, in comparison to what other teams in this league are going to do. So we'll see how that plays out. But Charlie, thank you for waiting so patiently. Um, good good to have you talking about a game I know that sounded fairly negative but we were frustrated by the sort of tactics and, and the things we forward one thing I will say just before you start is a massive shout out to Pennington uh, to Casey Grimshaw and husband I thought all three of those were tremendous on on, um, on Saturday and you know they deserved all the plaudits and hubby has really grown into into this team at League One so I think it's going to be a really important player for us but talk to us a little bit about Lincoln's season so far you've had a very busy transfer window I like a lot of your signings um, and some of them are not even getting into the first team at the moment so you've got a, an embarrassment of riches in some respects in some areas and also you know you've started the season quite consistently after a disappointing first game yeah it's a really nice problem to have for us actually and, I, and I'll just quickly um, touch on no need to apologise about asking me to wait when you guys are talking so negatively. It's been really, really good to hear. Um, but no, it's we are in a really good position at the minute. We've got a really nice problem. It's probably the first season, probably the first season I can remember, honestly, where we are, we could quite easily finish the season with this squad and people wouldn't be moaning. We have 
two players for basically every position. We've probably one wide attacking player short. Not that our wide attacking players are bad, but we've realistically got three to cover two spots. So we'd ideally want one more. But outside of that, we, we, we are looking really good. Obviously, you mentioned we are, um, you know, we're unbeaten since the first game of the season. And the first game of the season was away at Bolton Wanderers. We weren't expecting to win that game. We were hoping at best to go up there and get a point. They've also had a really good start to the season, forgetting Saturday. And then, and then we've got we've got a really good point away at Northampton. When actually they were a really, really impressive side. We got a win away at Shrewsbury. We got a win at home to Wickham. Really, we we very much see this game as a bit of a barometer of where we are. If we can be a, be at home and beat you guys, that's ten points from the first five games. You know, have a possible fifteen. It's it's an absolutely incredible start. It's a it's a start that makes people sit up and maybe makes our fans get a little bit too hopeful. Um, but no, I'm, I'm honestly really, really happy with the way that it's going. Um, you also kind of, like I said, you picked up on our, our transfer window. I kind of said we've got some really good squad depth and we have we have made some really good transfers. We made six permanent signings, which was a change for us. We're a team that heavily rely on loans, or at least have done. But this season we've made six permanent and two loan transfers. So there's been a real shift in transfer policy. And all of the players that we've brought in are all capable of starting in that first first eleven, which is really impressive. Yeah, and where, where do you think you've done? So what, what? Sorry, what do you think is the most impressive signing you've made? I, I like a few, like Alistair Smith mm. um, is a decent sign, and actually, obviously, getting Walker back as well wasn't really surprised for some because obviously he had he had a decent spell with you before. Hasn't started the yeah. season as well as he wanted. But what what has been the most impressive sort of couple of signings for you? I think I think Tyler Walker's the one that obviously. It was a it was a signing for the fans. Made everybody just really really pleased to see him come back and, uh, and that kind of side of it. Uh, on paper, I definitely agree. Alistair Smith looked brilliant and he has played brilliantly. Uh, but he's not really getting into the into the first eleven quite as much. Ethan Hamilton is very much in that slot again. Another summer signing. Ultimately, though, for me, Rico Rico Hackett from Portsmouth. Yeah, he was. He kind of came in. And I've got to be honest myself, and I know others, sort of expected him to be one of the kind of squad players in those attacking wide places. Sort of one of the four, but not one of the starting four. We've got a we've got a young lad, Dylan Duffy, who I very much expected to take on the mantle and play in that position this season. But Rico, Rico has been absolutely incredible. He has he, he just runs, he can dribble incredibly, he can have some great shots on goal, he does everything right, and Portsmouth fans were really like, oh, oh, you know, you've got him, that's that's a bit of a downgrade, but actually we, we're kind of having the last laugh because he's playing in incredible form for us, and hopefully it can continue. Yeah, absolutely, and you set up generally, correct me if I'm wrong, just looking at sort of previous games in a more 3-4-2-1 formation, um, Jace is kind of a bit like Port Vale played where they packed the midfield but hit hit well on the counter. And um, Charlie, do you think that you can exploit Blackpool if we're dilly-dallying on the ball by sort of overwhelming him as hitting us with 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 pace and um with precision on the counter attack? Yeah, exactly, exactly that. So obviously kind of listening in, and one of the big things that you mentioned um was obviously your your right wing back um Hamilton, who isn't really that much of a right wing back um, from sort of what you were saying. 
and that's something I feel we're we're going to exploit. We obviously our front three are going to press onto your front onto your back three. Uh, ben House, if he starts up top, is a proper kind of pressing forward. The two wide players do, as you kind of said, it's the three four two one, so they do play slightly narrower. So if we really have three on three, and then our wing backs push forward, we're at home. We're going to be coming attacking, so we've basically got our an attacking unit of five pushing up against your kind of defensive unit of five. Then I feel like we're really going to be able to exploit the, exploit the space. We'll have one for one, man for man. Um, so there's going to be opportunities for us in this game, from what you've been saying. Yeah, I think so, and I think you've got the quality as you've shown to score goals and, and actually set up fairly well in terms of defensively as well. You've got real quality um, at the back as well. So it's going to be an interesting game, maybe a barometer for us as well, Jace. Where we maybe learn a bit about ours because against Exeter, actually, I thought it was quite an intriguing game. A lot of people called it a board draw. I actually found it tactically quite nice to watch, if I'm honest. Maybe not if you've travelled all that way to watch a nil-nil again, but um, it was a game where we're working each other out. We got the odd chance, so did they. But actually, this could be a game where, again, we're, we're really tested and actually it might suit us a bit better when we're playing quality opposition and gaps appear a bit more. Uh, yeah, I think Saturday will be interesting. You know, we, we've had the two two home games where the two teams haven't really come and pressed us. They've sat back and waited to try and play us on the counter. Uh, whereas Saturday, uh, obviously Lincoln are, are going to be at home. They're going to have the crowd. And like Charlie said, that they're going to push forward and put us in, under some pressure. Uh, so it will be interesting to see how we how we handle that, how we cope with that, because we've not had to deal with that yet this season. Um, so it will be interesting to see how we how we get on with it and under the pressure. I'll stay with you, Jace. If we concede first, if do you think we've got it in that team to to sort of gauge a reaction and actually you know, drive hard into teams because we seem to be too comfortable at nil nil. It's a difficult one, isn't it? It is a difficult one. It'll be oh, if, if we go behind, I think we lose Saturday. I think if we go one 0 down, I I don't see us turning the game on its head. I think I think we have to score first if we're going to get anything out of the game. It's and it's, it saddens me to say that, really, because you know a Blackpool side it has always been about desire, passion, giving everything to the last minute. But I think at the moment, if we were to concede first, I think we'd be in trouble. And I'll stay with you then to that question: the character of the team, especially. Obviously, we've got. Norburn, who we understandably is very gritty, very determined, but with with Morgan, fairly lightweight, luxury. I think he does do well. Don't get me wrong, not slagging him off, but like you say, does that does that say a lot about our team in terms of the character that we've currently got in there? Yeah, I, I think you've got a couple of players that you know you've got your Norburn, uh, Jimmy Husband, but then you look at some of the other players. Are they players that are, are going to dig deep and graft? You know, Albie Morgan, Sonny Carey. CJ, are they players that are going to pull you out the the mire when you need it? They don't fill me with huge confidence in in that front. Um, time will tell. I I could be. I hope I'm wrong. Um, but yeah, time will tell on that one how they do behave and their character. Um, and that just says a lot as well, doesn't it? Like I think Lavery will continue to work hard, but he needs a, a character such as Gary Medine or you know, a Chris Martin or a Johnson Clark Harris or someone like that who's had experience at this level of going 1-0 down. And like you say, Beasley sometimes just feels a bit lost and, and not a leader up front that's going to drag him with him to to get Blackpool out of a hole as well. And 
does that also say to you that you know we desperately needed a few more characters and experience um, to, to help us sort of be more consistent in the league? Definitely, I, th- I think in that that forward area we we really lack it in a bit of experience uh, and someone that knows this league inside and out. You know, Lavery didn't really get a kick. Beasley hasn't played at this level. Uh, Carl Joseph, obviously, we, we, we've not seen. Um, that's why it surprised me a little bit that we didn't see any of Owen Dale last Saturday. He played the majority of last season uh, at this level. And it surprised me that we uh, he didn't get a sniff on Saturday. But yeah, it does show that we are lacking. Yeah. Charlie, you've talked about where you can do well against us um, in terms of the press and 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 the pace you have, as well as the organisation. Talk to me about where you've potentially been vulnerable or if at all. I'd, I'd like to say that we're that we're never vulnerable. Um, look, the first the first game of the season away at Bolton, and I know it is kind of I've already mentioned it was a bit of an anomaly. Um, we actually conceded twice from set pieces, um, which is weird because last season we were the lowest conceders in set pieces. Um, I'm I'm very much putting that first game down to just two kind of individual mistakes, um, and and they were it was poor defending. So I'm hoping that that isn't something that's going to be exploited against us throughout the whole uh, throughout the whole season. But it's definitely something to note. Um, if if we are attacking and we are pushing our wing backs up, it's then going to potentially expose a little bit of space. Uh, sort of in, in behind them if you do end up having wing backs or wingers that want to push forward or want to kind of utilize the wide spaces um also against northampton what northampton seemed to do really well was actually passing through the thirds so they they played a 4-3-3 shape and they were they were very much just playing some passes in and around our midfield because um, we are you know we do play a midfield two for most of the game so if if you guys are playing a midfield three, there is a chance that you guys could try to dominate the midfield. Um, but then I, we're also able to change shape. We've got the players on the bench. So if that does become a, an issue, we'll just change it by the 60-minute mark, which again kind of just shows another real positive for us of the, the squad depth we've got and the ability to change tactically as the game sees fit, as we've not been unwilling to do so far this season. Martin, is that something Critch is, Critch is lacking? I think the most tactical move tactical switch he's made was putting Lyons and Hamilton back on their probably favoured side and he's been reluctant to change the system or bring on sort of different players in different positions he kind of just brings on Carey and Virtue for for Weir and and, and Morgan and we and we do the same again I think um, what you were talking about just before I think in some ways it may do us the power of good if this doesn't sound too ridiculous to actually go one down because I think it's been too safe and too comfortable for us um, in in some ways and we've talked about the, the opposition of created chances but not loads and I just feel that he's kind of maybe stubbornly stood there thinking it'll be all right we'll we'll probably find a way to win this play in this way but I think if we went one down I think he'd be forced to change it so, so it may well be that I, th- I think Critchley hasn't been forced into it. Oh, he should have been forced into a tactical change because with 20 minutes to go at home to Leighton Orient and Port Vale, he should be changing it big time, but he didn't. But maybe going behind might do us the world of good. But Charlie, what I wanted to ask you was um, about about Mark Kennedy. Um, and before I talk about Mark Kennedy, there is a rule on this podcast. You're not allowed to mention the name of his predecessor. 
because I'm not allowed to mention his name. I am contractually obligated to not mention his name. You can call him Voldemort if you want, but you can't call him by his name. But what I was going to say was, after after the near miss you had against us a couple of years ago, you know, which and your fans are great after that game, but obviously you had a disappointing season afterwards, and then <clears throat> went, and then you got Mark Kennedy. A good finish last season with it in eleventh place. How is he viewed, and how do you rate him as a manager? Yeah, so kind of just picking up on the point of uh, the, the playoff and and obviously then last season, um, or well, season season before last, should we say? Um, ultimately, that playoff run was down to numerous factors. Obviously, fans weren't in the stadium. We had really good loans, and also there was the salary cap that season. So it was it was a bit of an anomaly. Whether you could say that the season after our previous manager got um, found out with us, you know, that's a whole different conversation. But kind of moving on to when Kennedy came in, it was it was the it seemed like it was the start of a long term plan. We're bringing in a young manager, a manager who he admitted himself he had a lot to learn, and he did learn a lot last season. He started last season playing in a four back, wanted to go really attacking, realized quickly that actually he needed to come back to he needed to go to a three back, do what everybody else does, shut up shop away from home against the likes of Sheffield Wednesday and and Derby and such, and grind out results against the big sides, which was something we did really, really positively last season. Now, obviously, the, the transfers and such are showing that we can actually go a little bit more positive. But, yeah, kind of picking up on the, you know, 11th place finish last season, a goal difference of zero. I think it was it was really positive. Every Lincoln fan would have taken a 20th place. So to get 11th, to be mid-table, to be in that kind of not looking over our shoulder on Easter weekend, for example... Um, it was it was really positive, and it, I know I myself I do, and I know a lot of others do. Just have a lot of faith going uh, for Mark Kennedy going forward. Charlie, from my point of view, what would be a good season for you? What what would you class as a, as a good season? I think the optimist in me is saying sixth place, but I, I, give me give me tenth place and one goal difference. A goal, you know, a goal difference of one, and that's a good season. Anything that's better than the season before, because as I said, this is a long-term plan that we're currently on. So anything that's progression is ultimately positive. With, with that long-term plan, is that is that like a, a five-year plan to get into the championship and become stable? Is that kind of where you're looking at, or? I think in terms of stability, no matter, I have a lot of faith in the in the club off the field. You know, we've got a really good ownership structure. Um, so in terms of stability, I don't think it necessarily matters which league that we're in. We're going to do things the right way and we're going to be sustainable. In terms of how many years it'll take to get to the championship, as far as I'm concerned, it could be two, it could be seven. I'd still be happy. It's all about, we're, we're really on the crest of a wave at the minute. As long as we're able to solidify our place in League One, which you know this is our what, fifth season in here. So it's something we're already doing. Um any, anything that, like I say, is just constant progression, some kind of building up on what we've done before, it can only be seen as a good thing. Yeah, I think that sums it up quite nicely. Um, any questions you have for us, Charlie? Uh, no, I, I think ultimately that it seems like you guys are a little bit worried about the situation of the squad at the minute. So like I say, it's, it's going to be really pleasing for us. Um, I guess... Kind of the same question that that you just asked you just asked me, Jess. What what would you kind of 
state is a good season for you guys? Because I put you down as a promotion or, or at least playoffs. But as I was explaining this to Tom last night, and I think part of that is actually the fact that the other two relegated sides were so weak that the balance of probability suggests that one of the three would probably get top six. And part of me now thinking, actually, was that just a lazy assumption to make? So what, what, where would you guys kind of be happy with as a bare minimum? I think the assumption now after watching Wigan for the first few weeks is they're going to kick on quite strongly, aren't they? So um, I think they've surprised a few and I think they'll continue to grow strength to strength. But where I see it, we need to be brave in the transfer market. I think one of the social questions this week, just to come on and we'll come on to Jason Martin as well, is are we happy and how are we feeling at the moment? And I don't want to get the initial review of the Leighton Orient game to, to, to come across as completely negative. I've just been pinpointing areas of where we need to strengthen. And although it wasn't a ridiculously poor performance, we should have conceded and, and we should have been better. So just highlighting that, I think what we need to do is be brave and, and sign a striker, which which is going to get us goals, such as a Johnson, Clark, Harris. I know the world's not that easy, but we've had enough time to do business that's going to you know make us a better team. Let's give someone that you know Lavery can play with, and lo and behold, we're going to sign Killian Kowasi from Sutton, who's you know generally quite a hot prospect from the sounds of things, and maybe he will be the person that's going to be a bit better than Beasley's a target man. But it's not someone for me who is going to get. Um, get us firing up the league and I think we need to add weirdly I think we need to add another bullish centre midfielder I think we need two wing backs that can play to cover um, because we haven't got that at the moment and I think we need to adaptability and we've got no hardly any wingers other than Hamilton and 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 Dale so we've got a week to do probably five or six players that's going to really impact the team um, what I expect is at least playoffs because that's the way that our owner talks about. That's the way our CEO talks about. That's the way that Critchley talks about. And that's the way our fans talk about. So we can't continue to talk like this and then spend spend like Fleetwood as an example because I'm not saying we need to splash the cash ridiculously, but with the personnel that we currently have, with what we should add, I expect us to get playoffs at least. How do you feel, Jace? Oh, at the start of the season, I was expecting playoffs top two. Uh, I think we we spoke on here that we said it would be great to see us do it for automatics because I've never seen it in my lifetime. We've always done it for the playoffs. Obviously, it's been a frustrating start and it's kind of made everyone sort of go, ah, dear, maybe we're not not as good as what we thought we were. Um, but it's going to be it's going to be difficult. We need to get through this week, see what, what transfers we finalise. I know you said five or six. I, I can't see us doing anywhere near that. Nor, nor do I, but that's yeah. just saying that's what we need, I think. Yeah, I think it'll be t- two tops. I, I can't see us doing any more than that. Um, but yeah, frustrating start. But I still think we we have the ability to, to, to hit the top six. Um, I still see us doing that. Martin, just give us a quick thoughts on how how you, how you feel and what you, what you think could be a good finish. Um, I said at the start of the season that, um, you know, anything less than sixth is disappointing because when you've had a taste of the championship, you don't want to hang around in this league too long. But we're also aware that bigger clubs than us have stayed in League One for a long time. Um, no, I, I'd be disappointed with anything less than the playoffs. Um, I think everyone's confidence is just a bit dented because I think once we won the first two games of the season against Burton and Derby in the Cup, everyone starts, typical football fans, we all get a bit full of it. Uh, all of us do. Um, but I think the results we've had 
are um you know the the the, the Port Vale game was a disappointing, frustrating draw. Exeter was acceptable because it was away from home, but the late Norwich one was a disappointing one because to have two back-to-back home games against against late Norwich and Port Vale and to only take two points just dents your confidence a bit. But but certainly I still believe we can get the top six. And I still believe that we um, will have a strong end to the transfer window because if we don't, there'll be an awful lot of questions asked if we can't recruit the quality that we need. Because for me, there's no excuse for not doing. Yeah, exactly what I said. We've talked the talk for for, for, for two or three seasons now, whether that was Ben Mansford saying, if we want a player, we're going to sign him. And now Julian Winter saying, we're going to support Critch if it doesn't come to fruition and we've sold the players we've sold and we've gained the money that we've gained and the, the East End, et cetera, is slowly coming along over the next 10 years by the sounds of things and got complaints about the North who create the atmosphere, et cetera. It's going to become a little bit wobbly in terms of the way that things go, in my opinion, but we'll have to see what comes of it. But we, we really need a big week in the transfer window, that's for sure. Um, we'll, we'll finish off with our predictions um, from you, Charlie, before before I wrap up. Um, I, I always start with the guest. Um, give us a score prediction and how you think the game will plan out on Saturday. Uh, it's maybe a safe bet just to say nil nil, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Please don't. No, <laughs> uh, I'm going to I'm going to say a two one home win. Um, you know, I'm, I'm obviously going to back us to win. From a lot of the things that you guys have said, I think we're going to be able to exploit this. Get a maybe get a goal, maybe then you guys pull one back and then we hit you with our tactical changes on 65 minutes and they will be make or break for the game and hopefully it makes it for us and we can get that uh, and get that second. That's, that would be my guess. Fair enough. And Martin? Uh, Charlie, I said to our last last week's guest, my record at predicting is absolutely woeful. It's worse than it's worse than CJ Hamilton's grasp of a wing back position. Uh, I'm going to go for two 0 Blackpool, so that's knackered that. But I, I think this is the, the sorry, Charlie. This is the week we come good, um, and we we bang a couple in. Wow, Chase, four four thriller, <laughs> nailed on. Well, Get your money on it. Well, well, if Wrexham can do it, we certainly can. So um, I'm going to go with the same score as Charlie. I think we will not yet hit the ground running and we've left it too late to sign players that can affect the game and Lincoln are growing ever stronger and finding their feet a bit quicker than we are. So I'll go 2-1. I'd like to see us nick it 1-0 and that wouldn't be unsurprising, but I think Lincoln will have the ability to score goals at home and the way they're grown into the game, but we'll have to see. Um, we'll finish off a few social questions um, or just, just the one question actually um, is the overriding sort of feeling of Dave Seddon's asked, are we, are we happy at the moment or are we, are we finding it hard with the negative watch um, or do we really just feel like you have to trust the process with Christian? Although, the football's better than his first tenure here, Jace. We we hopefully are going to find our feet with a couple of more additional signings. I was always a big uh, big fan of the, of the trust the process uh, the first time around, and always kind of stuck with it. And, and I'll be the same this time around. Um, I think we have to trust that they know what they're doing. We still have to remember that, that everything that's going on isn't all about on the pitch. I've spoke about it previously on the podcast. I, I won't go through it again, but there's still a lot going on off the pitch that needs to be resolved and, and sorted. 
and I think we still forget that. Uh, but yeah, trust the process. I, I, I'm in the, the happy camp, but I'm sure there's many that, that are unhappy, but that's football fans. We have our opinions. Yeah, for me, David, I think just to summarise, I'm, I'm fine. We want to see more. That's the that's the frustrating part, and and why we review the late or in game maybe hard, you know as harshly as we did. But if we do not sign the players that we've signed, I've said this last year as well. If we commit to saying the words we say with with the transfer budget, and it's going to be no issue getting players, etc. That's my problem. If you tell fans we're going to struggle and going to struggle to sign the players potentially so on and so forth and, and you know we're going to do what we can to, to build a competitive squad you 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 realign expectations but telling the fans consistently that we've got everything there in place to sign who we need and then not doing it is and you know is antagonizing to the fans and they'll just question you even more so i'd like to see a big week in the transfer window i'd like to see a bit more freedom on the football pitch um and i'd like to see blackpool be who they are and their identity and that's scoring goals and winning games. And I think we need better personnel for it. So happy at the moment. Um, and I'd like to see what we do next week. And then, and you can come back to me with that question. Martin, I'll finish with you on that question and then we'll, we'll say our goodbyes. I think it's, it's really important to say that, that Critchley clearly hasn't got the team out on that pitch that he wants yet. And it is a big week in the transfer window, as everybody knows. And I think the problem is, is that we need a goal scorer and that all, all, every club or a lot of clubs are after the same small pool of players. There are not an awful lot of available goal scorers out there that would get your pulses rising or would say, it's, you know, to quote AVFTT, uh, a wow signing, whatever the hell that is. But, you know, a signing that would really kind of... Johnson Clark Harris is a wow signing. Well, he's, he's obviously, he's, he's eight-year-old Range Rovers in Blackpool, so it must be true. Um <laughs> No, I, I, look, I'm happy too because I think the process is is there and you ha- you can't just chuck managers away like we have done. Or, or, you know, it, it, We have to trust that it might take a couple of transfer windows. God knows it might even take a couple of seasons to, to see how we want to play, but I hope it doesn't. So um, we, we, when we come back after the window shuts, that's when we can judge them for at least for four months anyway, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. We'll call that pod um, an hour and two minutes Um has ticked over so it's time to say our goodbyes Charlie thank you so much for joining us you've given us quite a good insight in terms of how Lincoln are and you're fairly confident without being too too brash about your chances on Saturday but I think you've got every right to be and it's been a pleasure to have you on thank you very much thanks for having me no you're most welcome Jace thanks again buddy absolute pleasure see you all again soon guys absolutely Mark as always thank you very much mate cheers guys Charlie all the best all the best. Thank you for coming on. Ah, thanks. We're really looking forward to Saturday. I will see you on Saturday, Charlie. Ah, good. I shall see you around by wherever bar it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, and from me at the It's an Orange podcast, our 10th episode, um, it's been an absolute pleasure and, and doing this podcast so far. And I just want to say good evening and thanks for listening.